A lot of leaders and innovators talk about disrupting healthcare, but what does that really mean? And how does one actually do it? On Life-Centered Healthcare, we dive into these questions and more, talking to innovators who are leveraging Clay Christensen's theories to transform our healthcare ecosystem. I'm Ann Summers-Hogg, Director of Healthcare at the Clayton Christensen Institute, and I hope these stories help inspire you along your journey to transform health and care. Welcome back, listeners. Today, we'll continue the topic of innovative approaches to healthcare education, and we'll look at the ecosystems required to make them succeed. As the nation shifts from a reactionary sick care approach to one that is proactive, preventive, and integrated, we need new approaches to education and new business models to support this new mindset. We can't expect the outcomes of the system to change, the health outcomes, that is, if we don't change the inputs. That is how we educate and train the caregivers providing care. To chat with me about how we might catalyze this change, I'm excited to welcome our guest, Walter Harris, the president and CEO of the Whole Health Institute. Welcome, Walter. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Definitely. And before we dive in, I'll provide a bit of background on Walter. In short, Walter's experience makes him a wise leader I'm excited to learn from today. In addition to serving as president and CEO at the Whole Health Institute, he also oversees operations for healthcare transformation initiatives for Alice Walton's nonprofits, including the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine. Prior to this role, Walter most recently served as senior vice president of administration and finance at the Kaiser Permanente Bernard J. Tyson School of Medicine. Before that, he served as vice president and COO at the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences, as global COO for the FDA, chief management official for the CDC, chief information officer for HUD, and also held positions at the VA. So without further ado, let's hear from Walter. And Walter, I like to start with why. The Whole Health Institute states that it is a catalyst for change. Could you tell us a bit more about what this means and why the Institute was founded? Yeah, thank you. WHI is, is really dedicated to transforming healthcare by improving outcomes, uh, reducing cost, and expanding access. And beginning with the Heartland region and scaling out to the rest of the country, WHI was founded by Alice Walton and was driven by her own personal experiences with healthcare and furthered by research revealing that. The U.S. has the highest level of healthcare spending worldwide, but we have relatively low rankings for overall health outcomes. That in itself is a delta, right? And additionally, the state of Arkansas routinely ranks among the worst for indicators of wellness in the nation. Most recently ranked 50 out of 50 for maternal mortality rates. This is an, an, in itself is clearly defines the mission that we're on right now. And so with 50 out of 50, we can only go up from here. Great. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. You mentioned that it was driven by Walton's personal experiences and that you can only go up from being 50 out of 50. And thinking about it through that lens, for for a whole health approach to really take root in our country, one where we have the highest level of healthcare spending, but certainly not the highest outcomes, it must have an ecosystem to support its existence. We have to have an ecosystem for this whole health approach to take root. How does the work that you do with the Institute support the development of this ecosystem? Yeah, great question. So we're taking the, the comprehensive approach. So we're looking at kind of five areas that we know we need to be on top of in order to have healthcare the way it's trained and taught, how it's delivered to change. The first area is the care delivery model. While the Institute won't manage and, and render care, we will work with our regional partners to make sure we can develop new models that are different today than they are tomorrow than they are today. There's the payment model. 
how do we realign the financial incentives so we become more of a value-based care system versus a volume-based care system? One that has quality outcomes versus sick care. Then there's research and technology. You know, the way out of this is healthcare it won't be the same in the future. It won't just be brick and mortar anymore. It'll be a combination of things. Like, how do you get to folks who really need care out in the deserts in various states? Well, technology can help you do that. Virtual care processes, for example. How do we make sure that the way we deliver healthcare in the future is going to align with uh, research that says if we do good data-driven outcomes and we try to find ways and modalities to get to folks where, that are complicated to get to, because that's where the greatest challenges are, right? When you don't do preventive maintenance, you become the bearer of the strain on the system because we didn't teach you how to do preventive maintenance. So we're in our research technology, we're doing preventive maintenance versus after what sickness has happened. And then a regional engagement. We initially thought we were going to start out being focused on only Arkansas, but there are several other states around us that we need to partner with to make this happen. And Anne, as you may know, I mean, when you gather enough moss and mass of people around a certain issue, it does cause change to happen. And so becoming partners with our regional partners now. So we're now going to be a regional partner with our folks here in Arkansas and partnering with Oklahoma and Kansas and Missouri because it takes a greater mass of people to really change healthcare. It's a very complicated industry. And then finally, the way we stay out in front of the issues is we have a very strong policy in public affairs space where we are working with the state of Arkansas, we're working with the state of Oklahoma, we're working with the state of Kansas to get out in front of issues and create a work plan that helps us to then move forward in bigger ways to even encourage CMS to do some things different. But that greater mass is what we are looking for. So you got care delivery, we have the payment model, we have research and technology, we have a regional engagement arm, and then we have policy and public affairs that helps us round this out to really change, make a change in healthcare in the future. That's great. Thank you so much for explaining that. And and my next question, I want to want to build off of that. In our research on drivers of health, also known as social determinants of health at the Institute, we found that organizations that are seeking to improve health outcomes such as enhancing health-related quality of life, improving health outcomes, traditional health outcomes you might think of, and or those that are seeking to lower the total cost of care, were most successful in delivering value-based care approaches when they engaged with a partnership ecosystem. So you alluded to both of those components in your your prior answer, the payment model and then the regional engagement with partners in other states. So as you think about the partners that are critical to your success in shifting the nation towards whole health, could you just talk a little bit more about what that ecosystem looks like to you? Yeah, if I had to envision five, 10 years from now where we would be as a health system and the success factor would be having strong policymakers to support, getting the current clinical device uh, providers to be on board with doing something different. Self-insured employers getting involved in the process will make things change. Uh, looking at nonprofits and businesses, I mean, this takes a village to, to make happen. Well, Alice Walton has a strong vision. We are all in. She knows it takes partners around her to really make it happen. And so p- part of this is really looking at uh, how do we build an expanding form of partners across the country to make this work. But we're going to start in Arkansas. And so conference out to other folks within the region and so conference out to those on the east and west coast. And this is how you make a change in healthcare. But policymakers are important. Uh, current health provider systems are important. Self-insured employers are important. And by the way, the community itself, we talked about wellness is more than just hospitals. There's financial, right? People have to decide how to put groceries on the table. There are, there are, there's housing. 
There's financial awareness and training for that. I mean, there are, if you want to be, you know, if you want to take care of the social determinant issues, you got to look at the waterfront of issues with our community members are faced with today. Health is just one part of it. Wellness has a lot more to it, right? So this is why the policymakers and caregivers all are important with that. The last thing I would say is that getting our current workers within healthcare to operate at a higher level of license so that doctors and nurses and other providers can really provide the services really needed for those critical patients. But then how do you get to, you know, taking care of those who need it, going to them. Some of our community members don't have the ability to come to us. So how do we get to them where they are? It's a different model. As I said earlier, I see healthcare being more than brick and mortar in the future. I think it's very different ways of getting healthcare out and especially what I call the upstream services of preventive maintenance is how we lower the cost structure. If you have more preventive maintenance, the cost of specialty care services lowers because you don't have as many people using it. You only have it for those who really need it. And so it's a great, it's a huge undertaking that is a marathon versus a sprint, but it's one that's worth taking. Awesome. Thanks for explaining that. As our listeners know, our nation's medical schools do not traditionally train providers to take a whole health approach to care. So what you're talking about is is not the traditional way that we train providers here in the U.S., but the new Alice Walton School of Medicine, which states that it will reimagine medical education with whole health principles, will train providers in this way, and they will be a critical partner in your work. How will you work with the School of Medicine to train the providers required to really deliver this whole health care approach? You know, it's, it's, it's called looking in the mirror effect, right? Where, where we know that doctors and caregivers have tremendous pressure and expectations put on them to provide the best care for our community and our patients that we take care of. What we often don't take a good look at is how do we have the providers focus on themselves? Self-care, how do you deal with mental health issues? How do you deal with the stress of a healthcare environment? Most people think that medical uh, that burnout starts in, in, um, in the hospital system, but it actually starts in medical school. The expectations are high in medical school. So this medical school here that Alice is putting together in Arkansas will focus on the students and their well-being so that they're taught to know how to actually take care of patients. We're also going to teach them how a healthcare system works business-wise, understanding how technology comes into play. In the curriculum, we will have technology and entrepreneurship built into the curriculum, given the moments to really self-reflect on, their, on themselves so they can properly take care of the, the, the critical members in our communities. That's where we're going to be different. And the curriculum is going to actually embrace that. It won't just be verbalized. It's going to be written in the curriculum that we expect them to take care of themselves. We expect them to understand how healthcare actually works business-wise. We expect them to understand uh, the impacts on patients. And by the way, humanity. Understand that every person is a human being with blood running through the veins like you are as a doc. If you hurt because of an insult, feel that they hurt. If they're, they're already not well, right? So how do we keep humanities up front? We're dealing with people who really want to get, be healthy. The challenge is going to be getting our community members to stay engaged in a way where we can see the results over long periods of time. So our doctors have to start thinking about that. I have a half second story to tell you where we met with one doc and he said the best prescription I've ever written was an AC unit. And he said that he was trying to connect with his patient. He didn't hear from them. So he got in his car and drove out in the buildings where his patient lived only to find the person in a sweltering trailer. That is the kind of doctor we're looking for. Finding the story of the patient helps you resolve the issues. And by the way, his conditions, his environment was driving his health outcomes. He was sitting in a 97 degree trailer. So he created ways and pathways for this patient to get to him quite often without driving into town. He let him talk to him over the phone. He had video conversations with him. That's how we want our doctors thinking. Think of prescriptions as more than pharmaceutical 
goods and tablets. Prescriptions goes a long way. It could be that the guy was struggling trying to pay his rent. I'm not saying that every doctor can pay the patient's rent, but at least he can direct them to a place where he could find a way to pay their rent. We want them thinking about the entire wellness of a patient, but how do we get them there? By educating them to do themselves that way first. Wow. I love that. Really bringing the humanity back to the heart of healthcare and teaching the caregivers not just how to care for others, but how to care for themselves. That's right. I recently wrote a report on maternal health, and this sounds a lot like the advice that is frequently given to moms, which is take care of yourself or you can't possibly take care of your children. I don't know that many moms take that advice, but I love that that's being integrated into your curriculum for physicians because if you can't care for yourself, it's almost impossible to pour from an empty cup and care for others. Well said, Nick. That's exactly right. You pointed to this a little bit in your last response, but could you build upon how training providers in this way, this focus on whole health. And I love what you said about finding the story of the patient and really understanding the circumstance that people are living in. How does this set providers up to create better health outcomes? Providers have to feel comfortable approaching the mental, physical, social, and emotional aspects of a patient. And whole health is not a witchery brew of things to do. It goes back to what we said about the wellness of a patient includes a lot of things, not just going to a hospital. They're where they live, the food they eat, right? Here's an example of, of upstream ways that we can teach our docs to do it and they can teach the community to do it. Blood pressure is manageable. A1Cs are manageable, right? These are all things that leads to greater illnesses down the road. So if we teach our doctors to self-care this way and they feel really good about teaching the patients to self-care that way, imagine how much better a health system would be. And we know the ultimate goal is to lower the cost structure, but the ultimate, ultimate goal is to have greater access. Everyone should be able to have health care no matter where you live. And so the modality we're going to go through that we're going to recommend and try to influence would be, you know, bricks and mortar technology. There's virtual care ways of doing it. There's telephones, you know, you know, I can tell you that, you know, broadband is an issue out in rural areas, but I'm almost sure that every person who lives in a rural area has a cell phone. How do we get to them on those devices and how do we get them trained so that you take Community-based workers, for example, embedded in those communities, stay in contact with those folks out there. And this is how we bring it all together. So there's this witch stitchery of many components required to bring it all together. But that's how you do it. But doctors have to feel comfortable looking at the mental, the physical, the social, and the emotional aspects of it. Again, the patient who was in the sweltering trailer, it was a mental issue, but it was also emotional. Right. And so he now has a doctor who, who knows his story and knows how to give him everything. In addition to a tablet, he has other ways of approaching his health care. And that's where we need to be thinking about this going forward. You started to answer this a little bit with your comment about how to make people have greater access to care. And you mentioned community-based health workers. Could you talk a little bit more about maybe what you see as the care team of the future? Because in order to make healthcare more accessible and more affordable to more people, we need lower cost resources and more of them to deliver the care. So in addition to training physicians in a different way, could you talk a little bit about the other people involved in the care team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, when you look at a, a, we'll call a team-based model that the school's going to train our students in, the nurse, the doctor, practitioner, who all be part of that, of that care team for a patient. That was a, a process I used when I was managing an IT company where we used this kind of a triangle. And we said that if you turn a triangle on either side, there's always someone at the head and at the point of it. But in, in the middle of that triangle would be sharing of information and data, right? Continuity of care for a patient is just as important as anything else. I left California coming to Arkansas. I had my, my second visit with my doctor, primary care provider here. And on that second visit, my records were right here, here with me in Georgia. I mean, in, uh, in Arkansas. 
the triangle I'm pointing to is the hospital in California transferred my records to Arkansas. And so the clinician and provider here, including the nurse, by the way, most times when I go to, to my appointments, I see my nurse. They've given her the authority to help me get stay well, right? And if I really need to go into some critical care, my doc is available. So that's a whole model of care where it doesn't have to be the doctor that gives gets you better sometimes, right? The nurse rising up to a high level of licensure can also do it. A community health worker out, out in the bonus can do it. A doula who can deliver babies. I mean, all these things can work. This is the new t- way of approaching health care. Now, aside from the people, technology is one of the ways out. Sharing of data. The example I gave you from Kaiser to uh, Arkansas was that these two organizations had my health as a front and center reason to share, not business. It was my health that needed to be a continuity care issue for both my previous provider and my current one made my health care a lot better. We should have that for everyone. And so technology is going to be one way of sharing data. But then video conferences and telephone calls and consults and getting closer to the community health workers. That's a whole team. So the team is just not the team in the hospital anymore, right? It is everyone in the community, uh, professionals working at the top of their licensures. As I said, in my case, my nurse gives me pretty much everything I need. I see my doctor when I need to see her, but my nurse is just as good as my doctor is for certain things that I have to take care of, right? So that's the new team. That's the team of the future. It's community-based. It's hospital-based. It's clinic-based. Even the insurers have to be part of this whole conversation about how we're going to actually change the way healthcare is, is rendered and managed. Thank you for explaining that. Your comment around it's community-based, it comes full circle with what you were saying earlier about really delivering care where people are and really going to them. It's not about the bricks and mortar that health systems or doctor's offices have traditionally had, but it's about going to the patient and serving them where they are in the flow of their life. Very exciting. So if we could dive a bit into any of the Institute's programs, my next question for you is, which of the Institute's innovative programs are you most excited about and of which outcomes are you most proud? One program we're looking to begin rolling out late this year, early next year, is a health coaching pilot. And it goes right back to what we spoke about earlier, which is helping the community's members participate and take care of themselves. And a health coaching pilot will produce some 15 health coach health coaches of the future in this region to help those in the community stay on track with their health. And we're looking at things like diabetes. We're looking at things like, you know, uh, blood pressure. I mean, BMI rates. If you get those things under control, those things are manageable and some are even curable if we manage them properly. That leads us away from all these specialty care needs, brings them into preventive care measures, lowering the structure. And it's not, and in, in addition to lowering the structure, the cost structure, it opens up access for those who really need the care. But this pilot is also reaching to people out in the middle of places where we typically can't get. So it's a model that becomes a template that we want to influence the region to go for in the future. So I'm very excited about that. We are looking at also trying to bring some forms of specialty care to the region that are, that are needed here. We're still in very early conversations about it. But I'm excited about that to where if you can get some specialty services that are not here, you may already know this, but the region itself loses about $1.2 billion a year in out-migration, right? Right. So we can bring those services back. And it's not just about saving the funding. It's about granting access to those who really need it. And so we can do that by bringing some critical care back to the region and, and arrest out-migration. That's one pattern. And then finally, we think that the areas of the Institute, like having a strong care delivery doc who comes in to work with other providers within the region to 
work with them on creating new models of care goes a long way. And then having a strong community engagement arm where we actually engage with the community often, often, often to take care of the things we talked about earlier, which is encouraging them to take care of their own health care. This is where I believe the institute plays a major role. The name in itself says that we look at research, academia, technology, uh, health care, wellness. I mean, the name itself says that we really are an advocacy group that has a law voice, that has bold movements on addressing these issues of health care. And if we don't go bold, we won't make progress, you know, because, you know, without commitment, you don't get started. And without consistency, you won't get finished. And so this institute is really set to manage those two bookends, being committed and being consistent so we can start and finish some great things. Excellent. I love that quote. Without commitment, you won't get started. And without consistency, you won't get finished. Now, one of the things you mentioned about engaging with the community often makes me think of another question, which is in this whole health approach that's community-based and really focused on helping people improve their health, how does the Institute engage with the community in a way to hear what's most important to the constituents that they're serving? Outstanding question. I think this is where our opportunities are. Convening folks from across the country and bringing them here into Arkansas, for example, and we shape the agenda based on what we believe our community partners want to hear. And we have dialogue around issues. We create what I consider a campaign that includes them in it. So instead of talking at them about what we need to do, let's speak with them about what we need to do and hear their voices in it. I mean, doctors don't go to medical school because they don't have a passion for it. You don't spend that much time you know, going through your undergrad into medical school because you don't have a passion for it. I've not met a single doctor in my 30 years in, in, in healthcare who was not passionate about doing great things for, for patients. And so engaging with them, hearing their concerns, we've ta- we've overtaxed them, become overly administrative. We need to find ways of bringing technology. And even, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but AI could be a, an important component, not artificial intelligence, but augmented intelligence that helps doctors really move things along in ways where they can still find, check and make sure it's right, but have something to help them take the administrative burden off them. Working with them and talking with them versus talking to them and working around them is the way we get progress made here. Awesome. So working with instead of talking to or talking about, that's great. To your point that doctors will tell you that they went into medicine in order to help people and because they're passionate about it. To that end, what benefits does the Institute create for patients and healthcare consumers? If you went to a hospital and they told you that all you needed to do was go home and eat right and you'd be healthier for 20, 20 years versus automatically assuming they have to go through a robotic process to send you to the ER you sit there for six, seven hours, they give you some pain medicine that you really didn't need in the first place, right? And then they send you back home with no aftercare after that. The value add model here is patients will take control of themselves. My current doctor asked me if I thought I needed something and I'll say yes or no. She gives me total control of my health care, total control. But when she knows that I'm heading in the wrong direction, she says, I know you didn't want that, but let me see, show you the outcome to that. And if you go this route, it's going to work better for you. We're partners in my health care. That's what patients and community members need. They need to have a strong partner who doesn't, doesn't force them into a health condition, but helps them manage out of it. We don't want any more sick care. We want health care in a way where patients own their destiny in health care. That's the value add model. If you do all that, again, it leads us to reduced cost. It leads us to greater accessibility. And, and I believe it's going to lead us to much better outcomes. That's the selling point for changing healthcare. Excellent. And I love how you brought back in the partnership component. It really brings the conversation full circle. So you mentioned how providers are a partner in healthcare and 
patients and healthcare consumers will really have the opportunity to own their health and really take control in the driver's seat. But that partner in their provider who's trained in this whole health approach is critical to their success. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Walter, thank you so much for joining us today to chat about the Whole Health Institute, the amazing work that you are doing to improve health in Arkansas and beyond, and the levers and the partnership ecosystem that you are utilizing in order to make it happen. So thank you so much, not only for chatting with me today, but also for the work that you were doing and the change that you were catalyzing so that the United States may be a healthier place to live. Well, and thank you for this opportunity and for joining us on this journey. I can, I can see the passion coming from you, from you through the phone. So I appreciate your partnership as well. And thank you and looking forward to future conversations. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Life-Centered Healthcare. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And for more of the latest in healthcare, check out our website, christiansoninstitute.org. You can sign up for our newsletter and read our latest industry insights. Until next time, have a wonderful day, everyone.